Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. The Yes Collective is an emotional health studio run by the best therapists and psychologists around. Our team focuses on cutting edge approaches like internal family systems, somatic therapies, authentic relating, and trauma-informed experiential group practices. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to learn more. I'm Justin Wilford, PhD, Director of Content and co-founder of Yes Collective. And each week I join my host, Jenny Walters, licensed therapist and co-CEO of Yes Collective to bring you the most amazing cutting edge therapists, psychologists, coaches, and other leaders in emotional health. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Coming in July, we're going to be launching a four-week studio circle in the Yes Collective, all about internal family systems, aka IFS. This studio circle is called IFS for Your Daily Life, and I and my team are going to show you how to bring this enormously powerful framework for emotional healing into your daily routine. I can tell you that over all of my years designing programs with dozens of different approaches to psychotherapy, no approach comes close to the impact of internal family systems. So if you're already a member of Yes Collective, then you can join the studio circle today for no additional cost. And if you're not yet a member of Yes Collective, then come on in. As a member, you get immediate access to all of our live studio circles. Right now, as of late May, we're in the middle of an amazing one on authentic relating. And in June, we're going to launch one on thriving as a highly sensitive person. So if all this talk about internal family systems is new to you, then today's podcast is going to blow your mind. If you're old hat with IFS, then you're still going to love what we have in store because today's guest is Dr. Frank Anderson, psychiatrist, therapist, author, speaker, and trauma specialist. He did his residency in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, worked with Bessel van der Kolk at the Trauma Center, is the former director of the Foundation for Self-Leadership. He's a senior trainer of internal family systems therapy and is an advisor to the International Association of Trauma Professionals. We are so excited to have Frank on because he's a leader in internal family systems therapy and IFS is a major part of what we do here at Yes Collective. We had him on last year to talk about IFS and parenting. and We couldn't wait to have him back on to dive into other IFS topics like relationships, spirituality, forgiveness, and grief. So without further ado, here's the truly amazing Dr. Frank Anderson. I want to start by acknowledging that we had you on for episode 37, Frank, and it has been the single most popular episode that we've ever done. And the feedback I continue to get to this day, it's been over a year and people still say, oh my gosh, I just heard the Frank Anderson. It, it's it's fantastic. I love it. And yeah, so it's, uh, it is, it is a, a huge badge for for us people love it and then um we just couldn't wait to have you back on okay great i was re-listening to the episode that you recorded with justin um in preparation for today and i was reminded of some similarities that we're from both from the midwest we're both queer we both came out later in life and i was just 
you know, projecting and bonding and, and doing the things that we do <laughs> with someone you've never met. And we've just, just been excited to have you on and talk about all the things. So welcome. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It's good to be back. Oh, yeah. So I started off uh, uh, last time we had you on over a, a year ago by just listing some of the major points about you. And so I want to do it again, because it, it really sets the context for everything we're going to talk about. So you are an author, a psychiatrist, therapist, speaker and trauma specialist. You did your residency in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, worked with Bezel Vanderkoek at the Trauma Center. You're the former director of the Foundation of Self-Leadership for Self-Leadership, a senior trainer of internal family systems therapy, and you're an advisor to the International Association of Trauma Professionals. You're also a father of two boys, and you've done a lot of work on IFS and parenting. You, you have a bunch of other points of focus in your work, and we might touch on these, but I'm curious, what am I missing now since it's been a year? <laughs> well, let me just say this. I have to tell you, every time I hear that list, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I do a lot of stuff, right? And I don't <laughs> say that, oh my God, I'm so great. It's not like that. It's like, wow, Frank, you are really busy. And what it says to me is that I love my work. I love, I love, mm. I love what I do. Yeah. So I accomplish a lot. I get a lot done. And it's because I love my work. My father, who's no longer with us, Asked the year ago in May, said, you never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And mm. I am like such, um, <laughs> such a person in that way. So it's an ever expanding. I don't think I'll ever retire. I have to tell you, I don't think <laughs> I said to my husband probably a couple months ago, like, are we going to be sitting on a rocking chair at some point, like looking out <laughs> at the day with nothing to do? He like looked over at me and he's like, uh, no, Frank, I don't think that'll be happening, you know. But a um, couple things that are new, probably the biggest thing that's new, and this is really kind of consuming my life in, within the last year, has been the writing of a memoir. So I have written a memoir after my book Transcending Trauma came out, I think in 2020, maybe. I don't even know when it came out. The publisher said, we want you to write a memoir. I was like, why would I write a like me? Like, I'm not 80. I haven't won a Nobel Peace Prize. Why would anybody want to hear about my life story? Like, it didn't really make sense to me. And then they talked about the way I share personal antidotes in my life and the way a purpose that really is my purpose is bringing trauma healing to the world. I said, you know, and I'm committed to moving into the general public for sure. Like, it's a calling to move outside of the realm of psychotherapy into the general public. And so they asked me to write this memoir, and I've spent the last year. It was an incredible process of writing my life story. So the book is pretty much done right now, and we're working on a PR team. We're working on the book cover. We're working on a launch date. There's already talk about movie rights to the book, which is so exciting. So I, it's been a huge, you know, I'm somebody who puts my personal life out there, but nothing like a memoir. Like Everybody is going to know everything about my life. And sometimes I get these moments of panic, like, what have you just done, Frank? Like, and the purpose, honestly, is telling a story of trauma healing. Like, I want people in the world to know that healing is possible. I had a pretty significant history. And this project now... <clears throat> 
is just so personal, so powerful, and it really is orienting my whole life um, in this way, which is so, so exciting to bring this out, bring healing to the general public. I want to direct listeners again to episode 37 because you go into your childhood and your history and some of the major points of healing along the way. I'm curious though, as you've, for this last year, as you've dove into this project, um, has anything new emerged? Did you discover anything about the healing process about yourself in, in this past year? Like a whole lot, <laughs> like layers and layers and layers. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about the process. So um, as I said, my father passed in May. He was my main perpetrator throughout life. And it was a strange experience um, because it was almost as if somebody, and I'm using that in quotes, like somebody said, you need to write this book. And it was way beyond my awareness, and it was totally guided in this way. And then as I signed the contract, my life unfolded in support of the memoir. It was a very bizarre experience. And so everything kind of unfolded, primarily the most profound healing experience I have ever had in my life um, as my father was passing. So that was a huge piece of work. I didn't understand healing and forgiveness on any level before I thought I did until I had gone through this process last year with my dad. So that was incredibly powerful. And then after he passed in May, I started just stuff poured out of me. It was pouring out of me in a way that I have never experienced before. Honestly, I think about this is going to be a reference. Not that I'm comparing myself to Lady Gaga. Okay. So I'm not saying that. (laughs) I've heard Lady Gaga talk about the creative process of writing an album. She's like, I get taken over. It just gets me over. It flows through me. Like I've heard her interviews and things like that. And that is what happened to me in September, October, and November. I was waking up at three or four o'clock in the morning every day. And I would get up and I was just right, 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 right. And then by the the time the kids got up at eight o'clock, like I had already worked five or six hours before sunlight came up. It was an incredible process. I wasn't tired. There was just stuff flowing through me. So this was so powerful. And I know this book is written on a different level. It's my story and it's been guided. So that was incredible to go through healing in that way. The other piece I'll say, you know, Jenny, we talked, you said a little bit about, oh, fangirling and we have certain things in common coming from the Midwest and coming out late in life. I didn't realize the profound effect of being gay and growing up in the Midwest had on my life because I was basically put in conversion therapy when I was six years old because I was playing with dolls and that wasn't okay. And so I was in therapy for six years to be somebody different. And there was so much oppression of don't do this, don't be this way, don't act this way. A lot of it I forgot. A lot of it I didn't, I just didn't remember. I I was a very good patient because I actually forgot everything I was supposed to forget about who I was. So part of the book was also like, oh my goodness, wow. Like this whole piece of my childhood came up. Separate from my trauma per se um, was just 
identity, self-awareness, self-connection, learning not to listen, learning to push things away in such a profound way, and how that shaped my life for most of my life, honestly. Like after writing the book, I could speak up to people. I could say no. I could disagree and argue without fearing being killed, right? And here I am turning 60 in a week, and I am finally able to have a voice, right? In a way that I have never before been able to because of all that I went through. So, yeah, I mean, I hope this book has a huge impact on people, and it's had an enormous impact on me. That's for sure. So I hope everybody who touches it can heal in the ways that I have through writing it. I'm so moved and inspired by what you just said. And, and um, I'm so excited to read this book. <laughs> in it, I was actually going to ask this later, Justin, but I'm going to just jump in right now. It's sort of, sort of a selfish question, but you know, I was wondering about when you said that your father passed and then this this experience of sort of channeling this book came through. Um, personally, my my mom is in the last phase of her life, and I have noticed that parts are getting kicked up that I really thought I had dealt with, that I really thought I had healed and unburdened. And they are, um, I have never cried so much in therapy in my life since this has happened with my mom. And my mom is was the person in my life where it was the main, the main uh you know, if we use the term perpetrator. Um, and so I was just curious about that. It sounds like that's, is that sort of what ex you experienced as well? Is that something that's, you know, we can just experience when we lose a parent? So a couple of things, Jenny, that I want to say about it, because I was really surprised. I've always had this awareness, or I've always had this knowledge, like you can heal trauma without dealing with the person who hurt you right? Yes, you can do healing on your own. Like it's something everybody says and everybody wants to be true. Okay. And it is true to a certain degree in my experience now, because I've done so much healing work. I spent seven years disconnected from my parents, not talking to them, kind of creating an identity separate from them, came back and joined in with the family several years later. And I had thought I had done work. I've been in therapy since I was six years old. Like I'm a lifer, right? So I had thought I was clean and clear, and then going through this process with my dad towards the end of his life, particularly the last three months of his life, I had no idea the profound effect that relational healing can have when two people are working through it together, and there is an acknowledgement, there's a true acknowledgement, there's a true recognition and apology connected to what happened to you took my healing to a whole other level. Wow. So I'm mm -hmm. sitting with a little bit of confusion right now as I teach trauma healing into the world. Like, yes, you can do work on your own. And if it's done in the context with, of the, the person who hurt you, it brings things to a different level. Now, I don't know if that's just my experience or that's universal because I can't speak to that. I don't know about research around how you can release trauma, right? With or without dealing with it. Yeah. Um, with the people who have hurt you. So it's it remains to be seen. It's so interesting because 
I'm, I won't, I won't be getting an apology. Um, even though I have been able to, to foster a much sweeter relationship with my mom, but, um, I have this part inside that is a young part that's very, that doesn't want self energy to mother her. She wants mom to mother her. And we're in this kind of like stuck, just like, no, I want it from her. It has to be from her. I don't want, I don't want Jenny. I don't want her. That's, it's not, that's not what I want. So it's an interest. Is, yeah. Is that kind of what you yes. are speaking yeah. to? To some degree, I'm speaking to that. And to another degree, I'm speaking about this whole issue of forgiveness. I read a lot. I've been, after this mm-hmm. experience, I read Desmond Tutu's book with his daughter, um, on forgiveness. They worked with a bunch of people in apartheid and they brought perpetrators and victims together to do this healing process. So it really, this whole idea of forgiveness really intrigued me after this process. But so that's a separate issue. What you talk about in relation to the younger parts of me, like the title of my memoir is To Be Loved. And the reason it's to be loved is because I have spent my whole life wanting to be loved. Yeah. Okay, yeah. my whole mm-hmm. life. And I think yeah. most I think that's a universal thing. I think every single person wants to be loved, right? Like what regardless of your history, we all desperately want that. So, yeah, I agree with you as much as I, healing as I've done, there was that part of me that wanted to be loved. Like I don't feel that anymore. I really don't mm-hmm. feel that anymore. I am loved. And I'm loved by me also now, Jenny, in a different way than before this healing process I went through with my dad. Mm -hmm. So I do think those younger, what IFS calls exiles, you know, there's layers of release, layers of release. Like we talk about it as like layers of an onion, right? You do a piece of work, you do a piece of work, you do a piece of work, you do a piece of work. I can now say, honestly, my trauma is I don't, I am free of it. I am untethered. I am. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't have issues in my life. I do, but not connected to my trauma anymore. It is totally clean and clear. I don't know how far along we all get, right? Because I think we're always working and we're never done doing our work. So it's an interesting perspective that I have because of this experience, right? And I don't think I have the answer. I'm I'm in process like everyone else out there is in process around healing and letting go and forgiving or not forgiving, choosing not to. You know, there's a lot to be mm-hmm. in a very healing, empowering way to say, no, I'm not interested. No, I don't want a relationship. Like that's part of the forgiveness process is, is having that agency. <laughs> To say, no, yeah. this isn't good for me. I don't want that. That can be incredibly healing, right? So um, I, don't, I don't have the answer. Um, I just know that I've had a profound experience that I want to share with people through this book. I will say one last thing about it in this way. Oh, and I can just feel it um, so powerful. To give love to someone who has violated you is very empowering. Through the process of funeral and through the process of my dad passing, I rose above everything that happened to me and I gave love to him. 
I wanted to give him a, a send-off that my family wanted, that he would have wanted. I arranged the funeral in the wake. I arranged the whole thing. And I gave back to somebody who hurt me. And that was so powerful. That was like, that was the experience of, I am not affected by what happened to me. If I can love the person that hurt me, I'm not affected. And I felt that. I felt that. And I'm living my life that way now. I'm living my life um, not engaging in negativity. And it's I'm rising above it because I've experienced how power. I don't fight with people in the same way. I don't get in arguments. <laughs> I just, I, I'm more, I under, I experience the power of rising above that. Now it doesn't mean I don't feel my feelings. I'm not saying bypass your emotional experience. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying engage differently as you have not, as you've acknowledged your feelings. So that was powerful. I'm curious because that felt really powerful. So you said to to love someone who has harmed you or or who has perpetrated, and th- yeah, that really hit hard or hit hit well as well. I'm curious. So if you could put that process into IFS parts work language. I'm imagining like, so is it a matter of going to the parts that are blocking that, that, that love? Cause what I would understand is capital S self full of love and compassion and is all, and, and is always ready and willing to extend that. And so there might be parts that are just too hurt to allow that. Yeah. So a couple things about it. One is, and, and I, I'm, I did a workshop at the networker this year on forgiveness. It was one of the most popular workshops. I'll probably do it again next year. It was a huge, people really responded to this whole idea of forgiveness. Have I, I haven't fully aligned it to the IFS process yet because it's a little bit raw in me. And I'm like, oh, we have the unburdening process in IFS, but oops, there's forgiveness. It's a whole, it's like a whole different process. It's post. Mm. I, I, so, you know, I think the I'll, I'm going to go a little bit circuitous here, but the word, the word of the year last year was gaslighting. I think the word of the year in mental health is going to be post-traumatic growth. Like everybody's talking about post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic growth. I tweak it. I'm, I say post-healing growth, not post-traumatic growth. Right. So when I'm talking about this forgiveness process, Justin, that I'm really steeped in and exploring and will creating curriculum around it because of my experience, it's after healing. It's it's after healing. So, yes, you have to do the healing work, heal those exiles as much as possible. And then there's this other dimension that I'm experiencing that goes beyond it's. And it is more self-connected because it goes beyond the exile. It goes beyond the wound. This is something above that. It's above the exile and the protectors of the perpetrator. And it's above your own exiles and your own protectors. It's, it's really, and, I, and I'm so mindful and careful of bypass. You know, just forgive, just forgive. There are many oh, yeah. places that 
push forgiveness prematurely. Yeah. And so I'm very thoughtful and careful about, oh my God, that's so amazing. Frank Anderson was able to forgive and love. So I should do it too. Like, no, like you have to do your work. You have to tend to the internal experience. You have to reconnect in a, you know, so much of the repair work in trauma from my perspective is repairing the internal relationships first between self and parts because there's a chasm that gets created as a result of trauma internally. So I'm not suggesting to do the external work before or in lieu of. I'm suggesting you have to repair those internal relationships in order to, in order to be able to um, heal, rise above what happened to you externally. So that's something that I'm holding. The other thing I'm going to say, and you know, Jenny, I, I heard, I saw the way you kind of hesitated a little bit around this word perpetrator. And by the way, everybody does. It's a very tricky word. It's a very tricky word in our population. And I'm aware of that. What I've come to understand, so after my healing and forgiveness work, I have so been able to embrace and accept my perpetration. Like once you've, once you've forgiven someone who's violated you, you are, and really see them for who they are in total, not just in perpetration, then you're able to see yourself in total. And then you're able to see the, the ways you have also perpetrated because everyone who's been violated internalizes perpetrator energy. And people are, <laughs> take a deep breath, Justin, right? Like yeah. I say here, right? and people are not necessarily ready for that if they haven't done their own healing work. So that's a big message in this memoir. The, a big message in this memoir is the complexity in all human beings, not the divide that we are so living in in our culture and society. Us, them, blue, red, white, black, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. Pick any area. And there's such a polarity of good and bad in this way. And that's so false when you really look at healing internally with the person who hurt you and then with the ways you've hurt yourself and others. One of the messages that came to me when I was writing this memoir was the person you need to forgive the most is yourself because of how much you tolerated for so long because of what happened to you. And that just kills me. And that was so true. It's like, then that was after the work I did with my father is that I put up with so much for so long because of what happened to me, being a pleaser, being kind, all the stuff. And so there was this internal forgiveness process that happened too, right? Because of the ways that I not, not, not um, on purpose or not intentionally, but as a result of what I went through. Um, so there's just so many layers of it. So many layers. I'm, I'm feeling 
a lot during this talk here right now. And I didn't expect so much of this to come up right now, but it, it is coming up and it is all of what this work is about. It's powerful. I'm curious, Frank, do you see forgiveness then as a quality of capital S self, uh, like with the C's and the, and the P's? I'll say yes. And you're going to hear some of Frank's parts <laughs> because I don't like the eight C's so much. They kind of drive me crazy. And the reason that they drive me crazy is because people who are trying to learn this model of IFS, kind, curious, compassionate, clear. Well, it's like, oh, that's what self-energy is. And excuse me, self-energy is not a damn C word. Like, it's so much more than a damn C word. And everybody's like, I do consultations all the time, right? On therapy consultations. Yes, I'm curious. Yes, I'm compassionate. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Just because you say the word doesn't mean you're embodying what self-energy is. So mm. there's a quality mm -hmm. of self-energy that is so source-driven, that is so connected to love that includes forgiveness, that is about open. I think self-energy is more about heart than anything else. And it's more about connection. You know, I'm sure I mentioned trauma blocks love, love heals trauma during yeah. our last mm -hmm. webinar, right? That is, that's what I think. I think self is love, honestly. And then all of the dimensions of love and yeah, forgiveness is a piece of that. And as I just said, to the other, as well as to yourself. So definitely. And you said last time, you know, that self-energy is an embodied state. It's not a cognitive state. And so when I know when I'm in self-energy, I mean, it is a felt state. It is, it's sort of beyond words. It's beyond label, you know, it's just a feeling. And when I'm in a I have, as a therapist, I have a lot of self-like parts. I mean, those, those, they show up real quick and they are really tricky, but, but it's a very different vibe and it, and, um, yeah, it's just, and it's different for everyone I would imagine, but my self-energy is more of an, of a physical feeling and a energetic color field, whereas self, self-like parts, I can see myself, you know, working being compassionate, <laughs> you know. A couple things about that. One is I'm I'm changing the word self-like part. Okay, whether Dick Schwartz has given me the approval or not, I haven't talked to him about it. I'm talking to him tomorrow, so I'll kind of run it by him. But self-like parts gives a bad reputation to those parts. That's mm. not a nice term. You're self-like, but you're less than you're not, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not quite there. <laughs> you're not, yeah. That's true. There, that's people, true. When I work with those parts, feel bad about that label. And I'm, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm calling them self-aligned now. Self-aligned mm. parts, because mm. it's kinder and it's gentler. And they try so hard. They work so hard. They work so hard. They work so hard. So I want to, I want a, a, something that, depicts kindness towards those parts instead of this negative connotation. Um, so that's one thing I want to say. <clears throat> the, the second thing is accessing self-energy on a Zoom platform or in a therapy office is not the most common conducive place to access self-energy. <laughs> I'm sorry, people. Like, 
you know, it's like, oh, this person can't get into self. This person can't. Well, yeah, they're talking about their trauma and they're sitting in front of a stranger that they don't really trust. Like, hello. Like, I think about the different ways we access self-energy, the place you're talking about, Jenny, right? It's like, for me, it's so, like, I think quiet, calm power. Like, it's not a big, like, it doesn't have, it doesn't have this, like, bigness attached to it. It's got this peaceful simplicity attached to it, right? For me, and everybody experiences it differently, you know, and yours just has a lot of colors, you know, mine has purple. It's always, it's always chakra related for me. That shows up when I'm in this like source connected place, right? So everybody really Mm -hmm. does experience it differently, but it's a quality. It's a quality state of being. Um, And like I access it when I'm running in nature the most. My husband sits on a cushion and meditates. That's where he gets there. I, I don't get there that way, you know? And so I really think it's important for people to, I understand why the eight C's were there. I really do like get a model, make it easy and user-friendly for people. So I'm not trashing that. I just think people latch on who don't embody the quality that you're talking about. And that's what I want to teach people. It's more that. Well, and I love the, I love that you are doing this yourself and also inviting us to allow this to evolve, that we don't get too stuck in that's a little that's, and Justin knows this about me. You know, I'm always a little weary of when a therapy modality rises in popularity becomes the silver bullet. And, um, you know, that we're, we're, we're all working toward the same goal in some ways. We have different words and ways of understanding it. And some resonate for others and some don't. And I love always trying to find what's, what's an even better way to fine tune this toward a more compassionate. Like I love that self-aligned, like, yeah, you're right. I feel a lot of shame about my self-like parts. Yes. And now I feel a little better. Thank you for that. You know? So, well, and I'm going to say something that's very important to me that wasn't a couple of years ago is integration. Like, I'm very aligned with what you say, that there's no one modality that works for everybody. There's no one correct modality, you know. And Dick Schwartz may not like hearing me say that, and that's okay. We can differentiate. I, You know, he's his own person, and so am I. But And, and I don't even know his views so much on it. He's let me teach other metal, models when I teach IFS, you know, so he's not totally opposed to it. But I did a course through PESI called The Integrated Therapist a couple of years ago. And I looked at, I interviewed a bunch of people, EMDR, sensory motor psychotherapy, psychedelics, DBT, AEDP, all the ABCs. I like, I did this interviewing course, right? And and interviewed all these different people around their different models. Kate Chard, I interviewed for CPT, Cognitive Processing Therapy. And the reality was it was so... I was so clear. We're all working on the same neurobiological dysregulation of trauma. Every model is working on the same dysregulation in here, right? So different things will work for different people at different times. And that's become a driving force for me also, honestly, as of late is there isn't one way for anyone or anything. That is not inclusive. If we talk about healing trauma for the world, you know, 
we need to be inclusive. We, we can't just stick with one modality. And I think it also doesn't help the, the collective when we pretend that there is um, a finish line that, you know, one thing I love about social media has been the destigmatization of, of mental health. One part, the shadow side of that is that people come in and they think it's a meme. They think it's like, you know, we're going to get this done in eight sessions. And I'm like, this is a lifelong journey. I'm not saying it's going to be lifelong with me as your therapist. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope not. I hope you'll, you know, work with lots of different people. But um, so I, anyway, I just, I appreciate you saying that yeah, out loud. It's, it's been important. Go ahead, Justin. So I grew up, my dad was a Baptist pastor and I stopped going to church a long, long time ago in my teens, but I have a part that is an evangelical part that, you know, loves IFS so much and wants to fly the IFS flag. You know, um, one of the reasons though, why, uh, why I think this has been so impactful is that I lost my spirituality a long time ago when I stopped going to church. Um, I, you know, I went to graduate school. I spent most of my life in academia, just a typical secular liberal humanist, uh, academic, and then discovering IFS has been this journey, this way back into spirituality that has been really profound for me. And I see and I, talking with others who have either done IFS therapy or who, who have had IFS training, I'm seeing that this is a common theme. And so I would love to hear about your experience uh, at, with the spirituality at, aspect of this work. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I'm so excited about. And I just recently did a course for Therapy Wisdom on IFS Neuroscience and Spirituality for Trauma Healing. Oh, wow. So, yeah. and, and they couldn't get CEs on the damn course. Like, it's like the CE gods were like, you name, you use the word spirituality and energy, <laughs> no CE. Like, it was, <laughs> I didn't care. And it was a, a very successful course. They did really well with the course because so many people are interested in energy work, spirituality, how to yeah. incorporate that, particularly as it relates to trauma. So I have really incorporated that into my work very potently and powerfully. Um, so I and I stumbled upon it, stumbled upon it. I, I don't know that we stumble upon anything. I think it's more of our lack of awareness at the time. <laughs> like yeah. I was drawn to my husband, who's an incredibly spiritual person. And Justin, he grew up in a fundamentalist church and you know he did the falling over and the whole like he went through the yeah. whole thing and left the church for a really long time and, and but he's a very spiritual person right he always has been and so he's been able to kind of refine his spirituality but i was drawn to him because of that i just know i was mm. um I, but we've been together for 23 years now i at the time i had no clue you know and so he brought the spirituality in the mind. He's like, read this book, go for this reading, read this book. Like he just kept putting stuff out and it was like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense to me. Right. And then I, I regularly, and, and I'm working with people with trauma histories, it's coming up all the time, whether it's these negative energies, I'm calling misaligned energies now, misaligned energies or just darkness, shadow side You've got to deal with that when you're dealing with trauma. And then you also deal with spirituality, source energy, God, Jesus, whatever it is. Like it, they're connected. They're connected. So you kind of can't deal with trauma 
without looking at the shadow side and addressing it, and also um, looking at what else is beyond us all. Because healing from, I think we all have, I think self-energy is source energy. I think it's love and it's source energy, and we all have that in us. So if you're going to do trauma healing work, you're going to access source energy in spirituality realm. So for me, they became a perfect fit, you know, Mm -hmm. and Dick Schwartz got a little nervous for a while. He's like, I don't want IFS to be all woo-woo, you know, and let's be careful and let's not talk about this. And I was like, well, it's not my model. I'm not, I I can talk about it anytime I want. Like, you know, I'm free to talk about woo-woo. I'm not preserving a model. And he's very spiritual, by the way. Dick is very spiritual. Now he talks about it more than he used to before. Yeah, but yeah. I don't have I don't have the fear that he once had. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, and, and it's weird. I hate to say this, I have to tell you, because I have this damn MD after my name, it gives me some kind of legitimacy. It's like, oh, if a doctor talks about spirituality, okay. <laughs> right. right. He has he has peered under the microscope and he has seen <laughs> the the spirit. Yes, just because I have a doctor, I you have an MD. But it's so but I've I've just been I just talk about it all the time. It's true for me. I never impose it on anyone. Like, look, if the, if this doesn't align for you, throw it out. If this doesn't make sense for you, throw it out. Don't impose it on your clients because in fact your belief is could be very different than theirs. You have to be work with your own parts that either don't like it. Are, or like it too much and want to impose it. So there's, there's, that was part of what I taught in the course is how you work with yours while you're working with somebody else. So there's a lot to it. But for me personally, it's changed my life um, as someone who grew up with a trauma history who had to be in control to survive. It's enabled me to no longer need to be in control at all and to let go and let life unfold in that divine way that it will anyways but to be able to embrace it so much more fully has been enormously helpful for me personally as well as with my clients so it's a big piece of my work it's a big piece of who I am in a way first of all Justin I just want to say I have come to really have a lot of affection for your evangelical <laughs> part I want to just say that for everyone to hear I didn't always, <laughs> but I do now. Oh, <laughs> I really have a lot of love for it. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also just love that, you know, that you're, you're right in the sense that having the MD and like, there's a certain privilege that legitimizes things. And, and so to have someone come out of the closets, yes. you know, quote unquote, around the quote, you know, on around the woo, I think is powerful because what we're, what Justin and I are noticing is that, cause I'm also kind of coming out of the closet around, I've been a, a yes. woo lifer, but I was very in the secret like very secretive about it because I didn't want people to think X, Y, and Z. Um, but what we're finding is that people are hungry. And when they hear someone that they trust say, yeah, this is real. This is true. There is something to this. Now it may look a little different for you and be described in a different way, but this essence we're describing, this divinity, whatever you want to call it is real. I think it's a real relief for people. I know it is for me just like, oh yeah. We're, we're so hungry for it as a culture. So thank you. You're welcome. For, and for coming I out think of the closet. we have a lot of work to do in the field of mental health. Like, because really the fact, 
so many people are terrified when I did this course, terrified of talking about it because they fear they're going to get sued because it's not part of the standard part of treatment and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And for no CE organization to even consider it legitimate if you use the word spirituality, like that's a problem. You know what I mean? So mental health is not into the mental health field is not integrated with spirituality. Right. And I understand, you know, state and church like, okay, we're not going to impose religious beliefs on people in the world secularly. I get that. But can we integrate mental health treatment with spirituality is something that I think is important. And I, I think we have a ways to go on that. Yeah, from an epidemiological perspective, people who have robust spiritual lives, they have higher quality of life, they live longer, they're happier, they have better relationships, they're more involved in their community, da, 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 you know, so it, it, it certainly makes sense. Certainly yeah. Makes sense. yeah. I would love to hear more about, uh, so you are working on bringing this memoir into the world. Um, It's coming in as a book, perhaps as a movie. You are also making this move from coast to coast. Can you tell us more about this this big move? Yeah. So um, hopefully my sons are not listening to this because they would be really pissed off if they heard this conversation. (laughs) And and you know what? Interestingly, it's all part of it, honestly. <clears throat> so after Transcending Trauma was released, I, as I said, there was this, I didn't understand what it meant at the time. I went out for a run after the book was released, Mar- May 19th. And I was like, oh my God, it's here, world. The book is for you now. It was like this really cool like release thing when I just like put it out to the world when it got released. And then this message came in, you're supposed to bring trauma healing to the world, bring trauma healing to the world. It's like, what? Like, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Like, I'm a psychiatrist. Like, I didn't understand it. And then what ended up happening is all this stuff started showing up in my life. Surprise, like random. No, not really. All these opportunities. Some of them are all that I didn't even know what a blue check mark person was on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> blue check mark people started reaching out to me. There's people out in LA were reaching out to me. I, st- I started traveling out there. These opportunities um, <clears throat> around um, working in working as a, like a consultant for some of the movies that are happening out there um, started showing up. So all of this like entertainment stuff started showing up in my life. And probably every, every month for over a year and a half, I was going out there working. And one of the things I did, and I was like, how did that happen? Julianne Hough, who's a dancer, and she's on Dancing with the Stars. And uh, I ended up working with her. And um, so dance movement through trauma training. She, now this season, she's, she's a friend of mine now, but this season, she's going to be a judge on Dancing with the Stars. And I was asked by her team, she created this dance program called Kinergy, which is dance movement. She wanted it for the general public, just like she saw all these people transform on Dancing with the Stars. All the, all the contestants transformed. So she created this dance movement, but everybody was getting activated around their trauma history when they were doing her Kinergy dance movement. So I came in and revamped Kinergy with her to create trauma-informed dance movement called Kinergy Transform. So again, like psychotherapy is not the only thing. Like that was the thing I started, I did for a long time was, you know, I do retreats for them and 
love working with those people. Like things like that started popping up for me as this bring trauma healing to the world, right? And then I um, just love it there. <laughs> like staying with friends now who are in the Hollywood Hills. So this is where I go all the time. Mastin Kip is a, is a coach person out in the general public. I become friends with him. And so this world opened up. David Kessler is somebody who lives in LA. He's a big grief person. David and I are friends. We, do, we just did a course together. So it's this weird evolution. Um, I'm consulting on a movie, a documentary that'll come out soon on a very popular book. I can't kind of name that at this point. So all these weird opportunities started showing up for me out there. And excuse me, it's a perfect fit. Like I am so <laughs> outgoing. I love that whole scene. Everybody's like, Frank, you belong here. I'm like, yep, I do. Like I love the weather. I love being out with creative people. There's so much important. There's a lot of junk happening out there. But there's a lot of amazing things also happening out there. So I just fell in love with it. I brought my family last year for vacation, the kids, and they loved it too. But they got really, um, they've grown up in the Midwest, in the, in the East Coast. They've known it. It's their whole life. And they came back from the trip in L.A. and they were all gung-ho to move. I can't move. I don't want to move. I can't move. I don't want to move. And this was around the same time that my dad was passing I knew I had to make my family a priority. That's what I felt. It's like, you know, my family's got to be a priority over my love of warm weather and over my work. And so I made a very clear decision. We're not moving unless everybody wants to move. Mm, you know, yeah. very powerful for my kids. And so we're in this suspended zone right now, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not pushing them. And probably a month ago, six weeks ago now, my oldest said, I really miss L.A., could we go on vacation there again? And I was like, sure, honey. Sure. So vacation. <laughs> I, booked, I booked the house. We're going in September. We're staying in Topanga. Yeah. He's such a mountain oh, guy. Love, yeah. He will love Topanga. And so I'm just letting it, I'm trusting the process and I'm letting it unfold. And, you know, all this movie rights to the book stuff is showing up and I'm consulting on another movie that somebody's doing. So I'm just getting these connections out there. Beautiful. The world needs trauma healing. Yeah. That's another way of bringing trauma healing to the world. And they, yeah. you know, that, that entertainment industry reaches a lot of people. So yeah. I just am trusting that that'll happen during. The and life. Frank, there's a lot of trauma in Hollywood. So, there, you know, <laughs> of, well, I'll tell you, like, I don't want to do a lot more clinical practice, but my practice would be instantaneously i'm so there's so much trauma there there really is like i i'm aware of that there's so much trauma there and you know like <clears throat> there are people out there that are you know oprah is very attuned to it um i'm just reading um finding me by um, um viola davis um, I read her biography uh, her memoir as i was writing my memoir she's like loaded with some there's so many people that are doing profound work wow. and have found trauma histories, you know, yeah. so yeah. it's needed. And I'm a good fit in some ways. Oh, that's so cool. I am really, I mean, all, all, all that just sounds so amazing and just so aligned. And I remember a year ago when, when, when we talked a little bit over, you mentioned a lot of these things. And so it's so beautiful to see them just, it's just like growing. 
And then especially the dancing. So, so I, when, when, when we talked a little over a year ago, you mentioned it, but it was like, you were like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if anything's going to happen with it, but it sounds really cool. And so to hear that it's, that it's still, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I would be remiss if I, if I, if I don't just plug a little, I, I, um, I, in the past, uh, let's see now, four months, I've started doing, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with ecstatic dance or conscious dance. Um, I do, it's basically yeah. like a sober rave type of thing. So I've started DJing those here in Savannah, Georgia. And at the beginning, I mix in a little IFS inspired meditation. And it's, I mean, it's so fantastic. I, I, so I love, I love the dance uh, part of this. So much happens in the body. You know, yeah. so much happens in the body yeah. and stuff is going to come up if you're going to allow yourself to move that way. So to have the awareness and the framework really helps. Yeah. Jenny? I'm trying to come up with a, a spiritual practice based around karaoke. I do believe that uh, <laughs> the fine art, I feel like it's it's like divine breath work, truly, you know, with the nice performance. I'll tell you, yeah, sacred karaoke. the arts are totally connected to source. Yeah, yeah. They are connected Absolutely. to source. It's creativity. Absolutely. It is so connected to source. So whether you're talking about music or dance or movement or art, you know, that is that is derived, in my view, that's derived from source energy. So is this Los Angeles sun. I just want to point to it, Frank. I mean, not to like taunt you, but just behold. <laughs> Listeners can't see, but sun is pouring I in right now. It, you know, I, I, with all, I was there when all the, dr the, the drought and the fires and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. See? The source had them get a lot of rain, so it'll be all nice and fixed by the time I get there. Like as if the world revolves around. <laughs> yeah. right? But I was like, I was so grateful when all that rain was happening, and I know about all the wildflowers and everything. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just I'm just so grateful from an environmental perspective that the rain yeah. was so needed and is so helpful there. So I'm glad the sun is back, Jenny, because I've heard a lot of rain for a long time. <laughs> It was yes. pretty intense. I I didn't realize I had moved back to Oregon. I was I was a little disturbed for a minute, but we're okay now. We're back to sunny in seventy five. So, so Frank, we have three final questions that we ask every guest. Oh, actually, before that, um, what is the best way for listeners to follow up on everything you're you're doing? Yeah, the best way really to follow up on what I'm doing is to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. There's a place on the website that you can sign up for the newsletter. And we I send out quarterly newsletters. We send out all the courses and trainings that I'm doing. So if you get on the email list, that'll be your best way of following and tracking me. Uh, my website is frankandersonmd.com. Um, so that's the best way. I also am now, I have a, a friend that I'm doing a lot of work with, Matthias J. Barker, who's a big TikTok person. So I'm on TikTok now doing you know, I'm on Instagram now. I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook and things like that. So people can follow me. Probably Instagram is the most um, up to date stuff that I do okay. for people that okay. want to follow social media. So that's those are the best ways to stay connected. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll put all those links in the show notes. And so we have three rapid questions that we throw at every guest. Uh, so the first one is. If you could put a post-it note on everyone's refrigerator tomorrow morning, they wake up, post-it note from Dr. Frank Anderson, what would that post-it note say? 
Healing's possible. Hmm. Healing's possible. And is there a recent quote that has changed the way you think or feel? Trauma blocks love, love heals trauma. And it has changed my life. And I say it like that because it's not really my quote. It came to me. It's not mine. So that still is the, that is a quote that's defining my, that's defined my life's purpose. Yeah. Trauma, trauma blocks, blocks love, love, and love, love heals, heals trauma. trauma. Yeah, exactly. And finally, what is one thing giving you hope right now? The, the way, the interest in so many people around healing trauma. Like, I do talk about this interconnected web. Like, I am one such person who is here to help healing. But the hope, the, the, the way my heart is warmed is that there are so many people out there that care that there are so many people that are doing this work, that, that we are creating this interconnected web of healing. And I personally believe that that is going to supersede all the darkness and the negativity that's happening in the world. So I have a very, I have a very hopeful vision for the future because of the collective of trauma healing. Because uh, I just, I see trauma everywhere I teach. And I see the resiliency of the human spirit. So I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful in that way. I really am. Well, thank you for giving us hope. This is such a nourishing conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so thank much. Thank you both for having me. And I love the way we're tracking, <laughs> tracking things in time as we've done this a year later. So that's what's oh. really interesting and cool oh. for me too. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the work that you're doing in the same way, bringing it to the world. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents, so let's spread the love.